opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. When you got a love and it's good like it should be Makes you never want to give it up Cause you know that some people die for love And I believe it's true cause I do the same for you Good morning, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California. Streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's the author of several books, including Negotiations, Breakthroughs, and Fighting for Love. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel, and she mediates business, employment, divorce, privacy, and other civil cases in her private practice in Laguna Niguel, California. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. She teaches leadership and conflict management courses at Brandman University and here at UCI, and she trains corporate leaders' powerful communication and conflict transformation skills. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about wonderful things to change our lives and our relationships. We're going to talk about why we fight with our loved one, and we're also going to talk about how our memories from childhood affect our relationships, and we're also going to talk about our needs and how do we get our needs met in a relationship. And I'm so thrilled to be here with my co-authored Leonard Simchuk, and he has been on before. He is uh, just a favorite guest, but let me tell you about him if you haven't heard him. Leonard Simchuk is an author, a speaker, a psychotherapist, and a life coach. And for the past 40 years, he has worked both in Australia and America as an educator and therapist. He was the director of the Family Therapy Program at the Marriage and Family Center in beautiful Sydney, Australia, and he later worked with the Family Institute at Northwestern University in Chicago. He's the author of The Roadmap Home, Your GPS to Inner Peace, an Amazon bestseller, as well as the novel Cuckoo Forevermore, a a lighthearted satire on psychotherapy. He's co-author with me of our forthcoming book, Fighting for Love, Turn Conflict into Intimacy, A Couple's Guide. Leonard conducts seminars on personal and spiritual growth and consoles and coaches clients in Orange County, California, and anywhere where he's asked. And you could find out more about him and his wonderful books at roadmaphome.com. Leonard, it's great to have you here in the studio again, my friend Maxie. Mari, it's always a pleasure to be here with you and to collaborate and talk about how we've been uh, managing conflict and healing. Yes, as we have written this book, we have practiced what we've preached, and um, our poor significant others, poor Lloyd and and poor Ingrid, have had to uh, be experiencing all this growth opportunity. So uh, let's start out. We're talking about our Chapter 2 and some of the great things that we've learned about in Chapter 2, which is the name of it is 
Why do we fight? So, you know, there's a lot of emotional stuff that goes on. If we've been wounded emotionally and psychologically as a child, will that affect us in how we fight? Well, that's a great question, Mari, because when we are growing up as a child, we record all of our experiences, both positive and negative. And so if I have been wounded as a child, and all of us have experienced neglect, rejection at some time or the other because growing up we really are there to seek love and we try to adapt and accommodate so that we do get that love and if we don't we'll try other strategies to somehow get our parents to love us and those emotional if there are emotional wounds and there usually are some we bring them forward into a relationship those wounds that haven't been healed are called forth in the process of conflict because a partner will trigger a wound like neglect, like abandonment, like low self-esteem. And we're forced to take a look at that so that we can heal. And so when we don't heal, that's when more conflict arises and we just end up going from relationship to relationship and and never really doing anything about it. So it's important that whatever relationship we're in, we work on that healing. That's so, so important because each relationship is a gift to help us take a look at ourselves so that we can learn and grow and begin to heal. And as you say, if we don't heal, other relationships will force us to turn within and get triggered again so that we can heal. Right. So, you know, the name of our our chapter is, so so why do we fight? You know, we've talked about that so much. It's It's really a complex issue. We fight because we have competing interests. We fight because of what you were talking about, our our wounds as children. We fight because we have different styles. You know, my style may not work always well with my husband's style. And so there's there's ways that we we fight when we're hurt, when we're not getting our needs met. So that that's, you know, there's so many reasons why we really um, fight if our values aren't the same. But we want to address that no matter what reason that we fight, there's always a way that we can get beyond that fight. Yeah, you know, and then you also, you know, we were talking about how our thoughts, you know, the fighting is, there's a reason why we, we fight. Tell us a little bit more about how our thoughts create our reality. You know, we learned like a little kid when when we read the book, um, you know, about the little engine that could, I think I can, I think I can. Or they say, if you see the world as a glass half empty or a glass half full, that we do create our reality. If we have a positive outlook, more positive things are going to come to us. If we look at our partner in a negative way, like, you know, he never does anything right or, or she is just a terrible lover or she is not there for me or whatever if we if we say those things to ourselves we really will create that so like you were talking about in our childhood if we if we learn that a mother is always controlling for example we might see our significant other as a controlling woman just basically because we believe that women are controlling or we believe a certain thing and then we bring that out in that person so we have to really start to think about controlling our thoughts and questioning what we're thinking, right? Exactly. And so let's say if I have the thought, I was growing up and I was taught I'm not good enough. 
And so if my partner interacts with me and the par- my partner may say something, uh, just a, a suggestion or uh, uh, some feedback on how I can do something differently, I might interpret that and feel I'm not good enough. And then that's going to be that old wound that gets reactivated and I'll believe, well, my partner is giving me the message, I'm not good enough and I will move back to an old strategy. Let's say if I withdrew when I felt I'm not good enough, I'm going to withdraw. If I attack, means I'm going to attack. Or if I rebel, that's what I'm going to do. So that's how those those thoughts recreate the realities. Is that not true? Exactly. And it's like another one of those. If you feel that you were abandoned as a child, then you're going to create that reality where you're going to feel abandoned. If your spouse wants to go fishing or something like that, or wants to go by himself or herself for the day, you might feel abandoned and it'll go back to that old wound and you'll feel hurt and then angry. The hurt turns to anger, and that'll turn into a fight, which really and truly has nothing to do with abandonment because someone wants to do something as an individual rather than as a couple. So, yeah, all these things are so complex, so many layers, that the more we talk about it, the more it gets kind of crazy. Let's talk about some of the positives, and we've been just talking about wounding. So, what you know, are there some really positives from the wounding that we have? Every positive gives us an opportunity to heal. And every, uh, I mean, every negative gives us uh, an opportunity to look at ourselves differently. All my wounds, if I look at my wounds, uh, I mean, even just my father left when I was a young boy, and that was a big wound, feeling abandoned by my father. But he gave me two important gifts. So if we look at the positives are, one of the important gifts was he gave me the desire to be a much different father than he was to me. What a mm. tremendous gift. And you are a great father, too, to oh, your kids. thank you. And, and, but, but without my experience of my father leaving, I right. would not have had this burning desire to be a different father. Yes. And at the same time, he gave me a passion to work with other men. Other men who are also wounded. Right. That's what we're going to be talking on uh, wounding in one of our upcoming men's groups. Yes, and so, that's a great men's group. So, again, we, we, these wounds, if we look at them, we can find the diamonds that are there. So let's say if I was taught I'm not good enough, I can see that wound, and it propels me to say, well, wait, I am good enough. I can alter my thoughts right. and also change our reality. So every wound, if we look at it, will be able to recognize what that gift is. Right. You know, when I think about my childhood, I was a latchkey kid. Both of my parents worked long hours, and I'd come in the home. And, you know, when I at the time, you know, it was a, it was a terrible wounding of feeling abandoned by parents when you're a little kid. But it really taught me to be in control of myself and to take care of things and get things done. So that was, um, you know, I had to learn to be independent as well. So I think that was a gift to me that I I know I can do it. I know that if something happens, if I, when I went to Mexico to go to school and live and find a family to live with when I was 19, I had no qualms about it. You know, I don't know how I did it when I think back about it, but at the time, I just went to Mexico by myself, found a family, did what I need to do, found the school, and you know, I think it's because of my early upbringing of having to do all those things on my own. Yeah, on the one hand, you had unmet dependency needs. Right. On the other hand, you learned about independence. So really, they, they go hand in hand, and your independence 
meant, I mean, I did the same thing in my family, learning more about being independent and self-sufficient. Great gifts to be independent yes. and self-sufficient. My stretch is to learn to, to be dependent, to be able to receive. And I think that's, right. I think our challenge, is it not, right. Marie? Right, and being <laughs> interdependent. So, you know, mm-hmm. as we explore these, and, and as we wrote this book, we both kind of talked about our childhood to see. And that's really important for maybe you to do with your partners, is let them understand where you're coming from, why you feel that way, why you may feel abandoned, or why you may feel not good enough if they say something. is because your father always told you you weren't good enough, or, or, you know. So those are the kinds of things that you can question and say, gee, I don't have to, I'm not a child anymore. I don't have to think like that. I can change my thinking. You know, and I want to add something, because often we don't give ourselves the time, unless we go to see a therapist, to really do the reflection, the right. introspection. But conflict does force us to stop and say, wait, there's something going on here. Let's pause and think, what's going on? What are the levels? As you mentioned earlier, co- conflict is very complex. What are the issues underneath it so that they can pause and begin to mine, go underneath the surface find out what's there so that I can get my needs satisfied. Right, and when we bring all these dark issues to the light, it's not so scary anymore. Yes. Yeah, when we bring it to the light, we can look at it and we can see it in a different way. Now, that kind of leads me to another question for you, Mari, is how, how do we um, self-sabotage relationships? So we're talking about wounds. We're talking about our creating our own reality. You would think that a couple get together, they want to enjoy being each other, they want to love, but we know that... There also is a sabotaging element. Can you talk a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, and it goes back to those thoughts. You know, here everything is really wonderful. We're in this great relationship. And then all of a sudden we see something, little something that happens, and we immediately connect it to a negative father or an abusive mother or something that happened from the past. So we self-sabotage by allowing those thoughts to take hold without really testing what's really going on. And and so it's it's easy to categorize. You know, that's what we do as human beings. It's easy to put things in categories. Oh, he's a bad person or or that's all men are bad or whatever it is. And and so that's how we self sabotage because we take those thoughts and we let them rule us rather than we ruling those. So yeah, you know, in, in therapy, I often see couples, and it's kind of an interesting process. Couples start to improve, they start getting closer, they start getting intimate, and lo and behold, conflict emerges. And it's as if they, they couldn't, they could only handle so much intimacy and closeness and positivity, and they get triggered and they fall back into having a rupture or a conflict. Yes. It's because underneath it, they don't believe they deserve, deserve it. Deserve yes. to have a loving relationship that can be easy, effortless, and yeah. rewarding. Right. And that happens so much with things like people who want to be successful and, and they start to be really, really successful. And then all of a sudden they self-sabotage it because inside they don't really believe that they deserve it. And so that's part of that whole thing is recognizing that we do deserve it and really feeling that at a deep level, not just saying an affirmation, I deserve it, but having to go really deep to say, you know what, I I do deserve it. And that's kind of where spirituality comes in when you realize if we're spiritual people having a human experience that we all deserve the good. And so I think you need some kind of a, a framework for believing that. 
Because we don't always get that from our families. That's true. I was about to say, um, many of us in our families did not get that experience that we deserve unconditional love. That love is very conditional. If you empty the garbage, you get good grades, (laughs) you act really nice, you say the right things, then you're going to be loved. But if you just somehow want to follow a dream or a passion of yours and it doesn't fit in with your parents, well, then they're going to withhold their love. So, again, really finding out that deep down with our spiritual core that we really do deserve love and happiness in our lives. Exactly. So, um, individuals unwittingly create stories that they bring into a relationship. So, let's talk about those stories, you know, about couples and their relational stories. You know, this is a Uh, uh, both of us are writers. Mm -hmm. And so in writing, we create stories. I think of a movie, we go to a movie, there's the main character. Usually good stories, the main character has some flaw. And they have a desire. And then there's resistance to that desire being fulfilled, and that creates chaos and conflict. Mm -hmm. Same thing happens in our lives. We are the main characters in our stories. We Mm -hmm. have our our strengths, but we also have our flaws. Mm -hmm. And we have a desire. But then there's a resistance to that desire, and that resistance then plays out into the conflict. So many of us have the story of being victims. It's not me. Someone else did this to me. My parents did this to me. My partner did this to me. So the victim story is one of the big stories that plays out in relationships. I'm the victim. If only you change. If only my partner changes, then I'll be happy. Right. And when they change, then I can be happy. I mean, the reality is they can change, but after a while, you're still not going to be happy. Right. Happiness only comes when I change my internal story that I have the power to change the way I think, the way I act, the way I relate to the world. And that is the only way I'm going to get happiness. Right. And I think that really leads to so much of the conflict, because if I feel that way, if I feel victimized, I am going to blame someone else. And blame is one of the worst things that we can do in any relationship because it destroys the love. Because then you have the blame, then you have the guilt. The blame, the guilt, the blame, the guilt. And that kills all the relationships. And blame is such a, you know, I think it's a societal uh, trait. If you look at politicians, they are always looking to blame somebody. Right. In the news, everything. Blame is seems to be mm, something that justifies us to be righteously indignant. Right. But as you say, blame is a killer. Resentment is a killer in relationship. If I blame my partner, um, it doesn't generate love. It just generates resentment. Yes. And, you know, when you were talking about our society, I, I look at the, the blame in the courts. You know, that's what people do. They have someone blames or someone's a victim. It's not a very uh, high conscious way of thinking. And I think if we're going to have healthy relationships, at least with our loved one, we have to cut out the blame. We have to take responsibility for our own thinking. If I'm if I'm feeling victimized and there's part of me that has not taken responsibility to say something or to to watch my boundaries or to do something that empowers me again right and that's the beautiful thing about mediation that you do Mari because the mediation brings two couples together yes they're in conflict but you're there to help mediate them without looking for blame but looking for a win-win situation for both parties yeah and, and one of the things that I have to do all the time is to sift out the blame <laughs> and say <laughs> okay how are you feeling don't tell me about what she should have done or what he should have done tell me what you are wanting right now let's just get away from that so um when you talk about this relational vision, um, how how does that um, 
how's that based on needs? Well, you know, the, the vision, every couple has needs that they're bringing into the relationship. They, of course, we have a need to be loved and cared for. We need to be heard, to be seen, to share our emotions, to share be our respected. stories, respected, cared for. We all have these Appreciated. needs. Appreciated, yeah. Mm-hmm. And in a, in a relationship, we also bring our stories and our vision. So two people... Uh, really have a vision of what they want this relationship to be. And I always think this is early on in a relationship, uh, two individuals are deciding what kind of vision. If, if a guy wants to live, let's say, in a log cabin by a stream, and the woman wants to live in a mansion by the beach, we've got two different visions that are right. going to create conflict. Right. And part of the thing that they're trying to sort out is, well, what is the vision? Do we have a common vision? If they have a common vision, of course, then they get married or they start living together and being together. So the vision is, well, what is your vision? What's my vision? And in the vision, there's also a vision of how much togetherness time we have, how much separateness time we have. Some individuals like a lot of separate time. Uh, Others like heaps of togetherness time. So that's also part of creating what is the vision. And that's a negotiation too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It yeah. can be a negotiation and also going to be a person, a style right. as well. Right. So, and values, you know, mm-hmm. and integrity. You mm-hmm. know, there are there certain things with values. Like if you have a value that you really want to have children and children are and family life is really important to you and the other person doesn't want to have children, wants to be able to travel, doesn't want to be around family, that, again, is, is a conflict in values and, and in visions. So. And, and sometimes that can be a deal breaker. Yes. Because if two people, one person says, I really want to have children, I'm ready for children, the, my biological time clock is yes. clicking, and the other says, no, I really have decided I don't want to have children with yeah. them, that's a deal breaker. I, I just did a divorce, Just I just finished a divorce with, that was exactly the issue. Mm-hmm. And, and so she is, you know, 33 years old, time to move on and that's what has to happen and they they care about each other and they like each other but they have totally different visions so and you know the thing is as you say when we even if two people have different visions they can still love each other right they can still have the love because you have a different vision than me it doesn't mean i have to hate you it just means right. we have different visions right that's all right and and sometimes it just can't work out you that's know? correct it just can't be mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. okay all right, so we're, we're talking about relationships and um, creating good feelings. You know, when you first meet someone, you just kind of get those that feeling where the chemicals are going and you're all excited and you just can't wait to see them and you just like, ugh, cannot wait to see this person. Let's talk about the uh, relationship and the feel-good bonding chemicals when you're loved. Well, you know, when we... When we are in love we those chemicals our brain factory is producing these feel-good chemicals we've got oxytocin which creates bonding we've got um, dopamine which is a strong motivational drive we've got serotonin makes us feel happy and good we've got testosterone which is that lusty sexual drive so we've got all these chemicals rotating around in our brain and so we feel quite happy Yes. And of course, if we start falling out of love, we're going through a withdrawal from right. those chemicals and we feel more irritable, 
angry, upset. And part of it is, is when we are bonded, those chemicals are just helping our body feel good. It's a bit like when we're exercising yeah. and we're getting those chemicals. Endorphins going. Endorphins are yeah. going and we yeah. feel really good. Exactly. And the other thing is, is when we're in connecting with an individual, our brain is mapping and there's like a, uh, we, we have a neural pathway. We have mirror neurons in which I'm almost anticipating what you're thinking because we're so connected. And that's why couples, when they're really connected, almost are like telepathic. Right. They can finish each other's sentences. Right. I mean, the, they just know what's going on. And, and the, the danger in that is thinking that you're always going to know what I'm thinking. <laughs> that's true. That is a danger because we start uh, anticipating. I don't have to tell him what my needs are. Because yeah, because he should know or she should know, right? <laughs> because we're so telepathic. That's so true. Yeah. So true. Yeah. I mean, the goal is, of course, is that if we can generate more of these um, interactions and bonding connections, we can we can generate more of those chemicals, and then we 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 create more patterns together. So that's that's really one of the keys. But as you know, um, some of the conflict occurs when there are patterns. The patterns start occurring, and you know some of our uh, negative patterns. A lot of couples want to know how can we stop them. Right, right, and and that's not an easy thing either. We we have to be conscious, though. You know, sometimes we are just so angry that we blame the other person. Everything was so good, but what's happened now? And we start to run away. You know, we just think, well, this isn't going to work. Like the last one didn't work. This isn't going to work. So. Um, being conscious and being mindful of what's going on really helps us when this conflict arises, right? Absolutely. Uh, I guess awareness, everyone always says awareness is the key. If I am aware that I'm getting upset, it's best to become aware early on than when I'm ready to fly off my handle. Exactly. So if I'm aware that I'm feeling sad, that's better than when I'm into a full-blown depression. Right. So just, just to be conscious of what's going on, acknowledge to have loving compassion for myself. Yeah. Even though I'm feeling angry or sad or irritated, I can still love and accept myself. And I can still love and accept my partner. Right. Knowing that they're doing the best they can, I'm doing the best I right. can. So there's some things that we can do, like really, you know, to be able to be conscious. It's easy for us to say to be conscious and to be mindful, but it's another thing to actually apply that in our lives. So when we start to feel that that energy shift from everything's really happy, you're having a great day, you're having a picnic at the beach, and all of a sudden your partner says something that really triggers you, your buttons are pushed, and you feel like saying, hey, what is the matter with you? You know, go to hell. That's when you need to stop and question like, uh-oh, what is happening in my body? Why is this happening? What am I feeling? What is What does this remind me of from my childhood? I think that's a good one to just say, what does this remind me of from the past? Maybe from a past relationship, maybe from a relationship with a parent. Ask yourself, now this can be done pretty quickly before you let yourself, you know, fly off the handle. Start to ask, like, what am I feeling? As soon as you ask, what are you feeling? It also starts to dissipate that feeling. So that's one way to start becoming aware. Your body will will react to whatever you're feeling in your brain, right, Leonard? That's exactly right. And then that, as you ask these series of questions, what am I feeling? Where am I feeling it in my body? That will eventually take you to the next, which is what am I needing or wanting? Which is, of course, is the next chapter and what we'll be covering <laughs> in our next um, episode. 
Right. Uh, what are we needing? What are we wanting? Because ultimately, we are wanting to get our needs and desires met. And our partner is there, too, to help us get our needs and desires met, too. Really? Yeah, exactly. So before we get to the whole issue, which is our next program that we're going to do, um, h- how do we actually stop our negative patterns? Because we get into these patterns, and we're not even aware of it. But now let's say we're aware, and now we start to ask the question, how can we actually stop these patterns? I know that you do this in therapy all the time. Well, you know, I think of it this way. We've got a team in our head, and our team is filled with all kinds of emotions. So let's say uh, all different experiences. I can have my anger emotion, joy, sadness, happiness. And then when I'm in conflict, let's say the anger emotion starts becoming the major team player yeah. and starts taking Runs over the, the team. Runs to the head of the table. Yeah, that's right. It's, <laughs> it's taking over the team. Right. And then I tend to believe that that is who I am. It's right. not who you are. It's just a part of you. Right. So a part of breaking the pattern is to realize that it is just not... Um, hostility, anger is not me. It's only a part of me. And then I can alter that as well. And when we alter that, we can meet our needs. So that's what we're going to be talking about next week. Leonard, it's always wonderful to have you. Always a Thank pleasure to be so with you, Thank you so much. Mari. All right. So you've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. for Fighting for Love, Turn Conflict into Collaboration. And we hope that you'll go to our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks so much. Some people die for love And I believe it's true Cause I do the same for you The opinions and views expressed in this program Do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents